Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. My guest this morning um, has a fairly formidable CV, which I'm going to summarize right down to a little bit. Um, she is a lawyer. She got her degree at Rhodes University. She's had internships and leadership experience, which can only be very valuable. Has worked for Médecins Sans Frontières, um, which like, likewise is, must be hugely valuable. Um, Got, a, got a, did her articles and has spent the last, I guess, six years as legal advisor and now director of Freedom of Religion for South Africa. Daniela Ellebeck, welcome to Chai FM and the IRR show. Thank you for having me, Sarah. It's a huge privilege, and thank you for that introduction. No, I feel intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't worry. I, I, I'm, I'm the one who should feel intimidated, but uh, I'll, 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 calm, I'll calm my nerves in this way and basically ask you, because just to tell the, the, the listeners that we sort of came into contact each other with each other over a webinar um, which essentially dealt with the, re- the reasons for not criminalizing hate speech, and we might get to that later. But I was intrigued because I've heard of Freedom of Religion for South Africa, but I know nothing about it. So I'm going to do my, cl- my, co- my audience a favor and ask them, ask you, what is Freedom of Religion and what does it do? Okay, so Freedom of Religion South Africa, or 4SA as um, we're commonly known, mm-hmm is a legal advocacy organization, and we were started a number of years ago with the goal and sole mandate, like our mandate's only focused on this, to protect and promote the constitutional right to freedom of religion, thought, belief, opinion, and conscience, Mm -hmm. commonly known as religious freedom, that is entrenched in Section 15 of our Constitution. And how we were actually started is when... A atheist couple who lived up the road from a local Cape Town church that I'm part of went online, you know, looked at some of the church's manuals on, you know, this is the traditional view of marriage. This is the traditional view on the role of women, what, 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 with scriptures and stuff substantiating why the church took the position it did. And this atheist couple who had never set foot in the church before and, you know, <laughs> weren't decided not to associate with it took the church to um, one of the Chapter 9 commissions, mm-hmm. who then investigated the church and said, oh, okay, yeah, these scriptures are in the Bible, but really you should send your pastors for sensitization training mm-hmm. okay. and not preach these things. And that's when there was a realization like, wow, there's actually a growing encroachment of the state and other actors as on the church, on the right to religious freedom. Mm-hmm. In South Africa, not just in South Africa, but also internationally. And 4SA was started with that so that people are free to not only believe in their heart as they choose to believe whether or not that's a religious belief or not, because as we've said, the right goes quite far and, um, to even include thought, opinion and conscience. Mm. So much wider than just traditional beliefs the way we would see it as, you know, Judaism, mm. Christianity, Islam and so forth. And that's what 4SA does. So we do that as an organization um, by working in front of the different parts of government. Mm-hmm. So when bills and policies are in front of the executive arm, <clears throat> we look at that. Um, so people might remember there was um, a big 
hoo-ha in the public about the comprehensive sexuality education scripted mm. lesson plans that the Department of Basic Education had drafted. Now, and when those got published, people were like, how are you going to be teaching my nine-year-old this? Mm. Because it wasn't just basic biology. It went much further. And yeah, my jaw was very much on the floor with some of the content as a grown woman. So um, what happened there is that Forza, along with parliamentarians, you know, actually said to the department, you can't just work on these things. You need to make them open for the public. So some of the MPs in parliament actually asked for the department to give them the manuals. And then those were open for public input and comment. And Forza gave, um, took photos of it and sent press release out. And we also helped um, school governing bodies to see that they mm. actually can choose they're not bound to have the, the, to use the scripted lesson plans because of the way the school act is at the moment. The minister can set outcomes, but not necessarily content. So schools can choose things that are more in line with what they want to teach on this subject. So Forest was involved there by in front, in front of both the executive and parliament. And then in front of parliament, we look at bills such as the hate speech bill, which is actually how you and I connected mm-hmm. to see if this is going to infringe on people's right to religious freedom, which again is much wider than just, <clears throat> you know, mm. traditional faiths. But if it's going to affect what they believe in their heart and their ability to live it out freely in the public realm, which mm. means being able to talk about it, not being forced to do something contrary to what you believe, all of that. So we regularly in front of parliament um, and regularly talk to MPs and give input on various bills that parliament is working with about um, how it will affect religious freedom. And then we also do work in front of um, the courts if the right is infringed there. So, for example, um, we often get involved as a friend of the court and mm. sometimes as a principal party. And we even, um, a matter that uh, we even took all the way up to the con court, <clears throat> we had orig- originally gone involved as an amicus mm-hmm. friend of the court. And then the matter was so horrendous for parental rights and religious freedom rights, we peeled it all the way up to the Concord, and that was the right of parents to um, reasonably and moderate, moderately chastise their children, mm-hmm. which um, a high court uh, judge had said was, you know, against the rights of a child, and of course it was involved in some amicus at that level, and then got peeled it all the way up to the Concord, and the Concord also said it's unconstitutional, and it uh, should be seen as a crime of assault. Um, so, yeah, basically we got involved in that matter because... What's happened there is that the state has told parents, this is how you should parent your child. Mm-hmm. And actually, given that there's specific scriptures that say, you know, that parents should be able to freely interpret, say, the spare the rods for your child scripture, the state has told them, no, you're not allowed to interpret it in a way that includes um, physical mm-hmm. punishment of any form, no matter how reasonably or mild. So even if it's just a flick on the hand, you're not allowed to interpret it that way. So those are the three levels of government we normally get involved in. This is our 10th year. As you've said, I've been with Forza for six years. I'm going into my seventh year. I lead the legal team. Um, we're a relatively small organization of four people. <laughs> that is relatively small. Um, but I think we punch above our weight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's us in the synopsis. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to get, clarify. I, I assume you, you, you don't have members as such, um, that you, you either pick up issues or people may bring issues to you uh, for you to take forward as you determine is appropriate or not. Um, 
so it's very so it's very so you don't it's not necessarily that there is a particular uh, congregation or um, church that 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 would use your services it's essentially any anyone could come to you if you if you in addition to your deciding there's an issue to be fought if do I understand it exactly because the right to religious re- freedom like i've said goes much wider than just what we would see traditionally as religions so for us, a is a legal advocacy organization. We're not a religious organization. And we're faith neutral in the sense that um, the right to religious freedom is also faith neutral. So mm. we represent a variety of organizations in various matters. So, for example, in the lockdown matter, which was a court matter we were also involved in, we were mandated by over 18.5 million religious leaders representing over 18.5 million people. And those were from a wide variety mm. of different faith sectors in South Africa. So including a large number of traditional African faiths. Mm. So as an organization, Forest A is faith neutral. We're apolitical. We really try and just focus on being the reasonable legal voice saying, okay, this is the right to religious freedom that the state is mandated in terms of the constitution to protect and promote this is how what you, the state wants to do is going to infringe this right. This is how you should mm. not do it. Or these are other solutions to solving the problem you want to solve. Mm. Um, the, uh, there seems to me to be a disconnect between the sort of the sort of liberal precepts of the constitution or, and or how it has been um, interpreted, and the fact that South Africa is a fairly deeply conservatively religious. Country. I mean, it's 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 uh, adherence. The, the number of South Africans who are adherents to religion in some way or another is. I, I mean, would, I think would make the Western world extremely jealous. Um, it, it sounds from what you've said about, for example, going to the Concord on you know giving your kid a hiding, if I can put it in my terms. Um, that y- the problem is you're going to get. A court saying one thing, and a whole commu- whole community saying, well. No ways. This is this is this is well within rights and laws that have that come come off high, shall we say? Yeah, that whole natural law argument, Mm. like this is divine law, and you're telling me to go against what Mm. God says. And I mean, that's something that we actually argue to the concord. It's like you're going to be asking people to basically sin because the, you're telling them this is how you should read your Bible and this is how you should parent your child, even though you believe that God says something differently. Mm. But yeah, it's one of the common things that I've been raising. Um, I actually gave a talk recently um, in Belgium that I was privileged enough to have been invited to. And one of the things I was saying is that, you know, the rule of law is the very foundation of any legal system. Mm. And it's also in our constitution um actually entrenched as a founding value mm. um, right in the beginning in section one of the constitution. There it is. Mm. You know, South Africa is a republic and we founded on the value of the rule of law and the supremacy of the constitution amongst others. And the rule of law, you know, it gets undermined when the state starts telling people to go against what they believe. And it starts telling them that what you believe is no longer welcome in the public realm. And yeah, so, I mean, it's been, it's been, I agree with you. We've got a wonderful constitution and I'm very thankful for the fact that it entrenches various things such as the right to religious freedom. 
But what's increasingly happening is that we see the public realm becoming more and more hostile mm. to people of traditional beliefs, um, conservative religious beliefs. Um, I mean, where in your life did you think that the state would come into your house and tell you that if you give your two-year-old a hiding, and I'm glad you use that term because one never knows which term to use. I've been told <laughs> that the term spanking is appropriate in certain contexts and Hiding is appropriate in others, and it just gets confusing. In Afrikaans, it's there's not the box law. No. It's very easy. <laughs> but, I mean, no, like, um, no good parent is going to hit their child with the fists or, you know, actually physically abuse their child. Every good parent knows, you know, the limits of, mm-hmm. like, what a hiding should look mm-hmm. like and that, you know, if it's appropriate for their child or not, given the child's emotional development and personality and age and all of that stuff. But now you've got the state stepping into your very home and saying to you, well, irrespective of how you read your Bible uh, or any other holy text, um, and irrespective of how think how you think God tells you you should parent your child, mm. we actually know better. And if you do that, that's abuse. And, you know, you could have a criminal charge laid against mm-hmm. you. Well, isn't that... Yeah. Well, isn't that the problem? Is 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 there's not enough light and shade? And I say that not from a religious point of view, but having been a parent who gave one, my one child never needed hiding. The other one's got about two, and that the last time was when he was five. But it's the it's it, it's the fact that certainly from a parental point of view, when it comes to something like discipline. Different things work on different children. What you've got to avoid doing and where the state plays a role is in protecting children from abuse. And the two things are very different and they tend, and by the sound of things, they tend to, to, to conflate the two. And that's my, that's my concern is the sort of big brother attitude of coming in yeah, and what's not, actually, not going to be obeyed, basically. It's, 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 it's that's not how And that's the thing. And doesn't that, and that's, that, that's exactly the point because then if you tell people to do something that goes against their beliefs, that it goes against natural, you know, law that they believe God says. Mm. People are going to have to choose to obey either the state or God. Mm. And it's going to undermine the rule of law and people's respect for the law when they see the state as being, as becoming an enemy of their faith, essentially. So that is one of the concerns with this current, and it's not just happening in South Africa. I, I mean, mm. every time I'm somewhere else, I land back home and I'm like, thank you, God, we have virgin. <laughs> we have corruption. We have water problems. We have a bunch of stuff. But I'm so grateful that we live in a country that, like you've said, um, like the atmosphere here is just very, very different because people, for the most part, are people of faith. Mm. Um, and the degree to which the public realm is becoming hostile to the expression of that, it's, I think, more in pockets that we're seeing, such as universities and schools and so forth, certain pockets of the public realm, but it's nowhere near as bad as it is in the rest of the Western world. Mm. So I am grateful for mm. this country, but that means that we actually need to protect this right because our rights and the Bill of Rights, they don't mean anything if they're just, too, if they're just attached to us in our living room, mm. you know. Um, and in the case of being, if I was a parent and I gave my child a hiding in the living room and I got out, I wouldn't even be protected in my living room. Mm. Mm. Um, but they actually mean something when we are allowed to take them with us into the public realm and openly live them out and openly talk about them and not be forced to do something against what we believe in the public mm. realm. And I mean, yeah, because <clears throat> maybe in Joburg this is the case, you know, mm. what what good is your right to life if you leave that behind you in the morning when you close your front door? Mm. No, it's 
or your dignity or equality or any of those. And I think, yeah, what we, what I've been going through some of like the old, older constitutional court judgments and stuff. And I just find it so beautiful because the society that the constitution envisages is a society that's vibrant mm. and diverse and that that's a strength. It's not, it's not something to be frowned upon mm. and that the, Viewing of different viewpoints in the public realm is amazing and to be celebrated because mm. we came out of this apartheid era where people were censored. And I mean, obviously apartheid was before the information age, so there was no online. Um, but the books that were in the country, the music that was in the country, the information you had access to was censored. Mm. So people were very like, wow, we really, we, sh- we should tolerate uh, different views in the public mm. realm and different expressions of faith, for example, in the public realm. And we should make reasonable accommodation for one another. And this is a strength for our society. And yeah, it is concerning as I <clears throat> look at the developments now, even just with the hate speech bill, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, where it actually seems that that's no longer the, 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 the thought. Mm. Now it's like, what views am I comfortable with in the public realm and everything else must leave? Mm. And I actually wrote an op-ed that I think News24 published. And I actually said, when you, when you ask for the public realm to be sanitized of things that you don't like, um, behavior that you don't like, um, <clears throat> expressions that you don't like, people's thoughts that you don't like, that's actually not tolerance. And that's actually not diversity or inclusivity. Um, all these words that get bandied about, mm. you know, that things happen in the name of, but that's actually not what that is. That is actually bigotry. If you don't want to allow a person of conservative faith to talk about their faith in public or to live according to their faith in public, you're, you're actually discriminating against them. And in terms of the constitution, actually on one of the grounds that's unfair discrimination, because people forget that section nine, which says, you know, neither the state nor any other person. So basically no one in the country is allowed to discriminate against you unfairly. Mm. That some of the grounds it can't do that on our religion, belief, and conscience. Mm. Yet we find that often happening, and people seem to have this mentality that, you know, there's this hierarchy of rights in South Africa, and religious people somehow at the bottom, and that's ex- that's not the truth in the legal landscape at all. The truth in the legal landscape is that there's no hierarchy of rights and. You have to allow all of them to be exercised in the public realm and find a way to do that. Well, in fact, you answered the question I was going to ask. Um, and unfortunately, uh, we've uh, we've come to the end of the time. Daniela, thank you very much for delving into an area that uh, certainly for me was, I, I would like to say remote, but it was probably, I, I was unaware of it entirely until fairly recently. So I, I think it's been a worthwhile exercise to uh, to just understand that how, how wide the import um, of uh, of the Constitution and the proposed hate speech bill can be. And I'm sure we'll get you on again for more things and more interest. Thank you very much. I look forward to it. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you for the opportunity.